0: Well, I do want to read, uh, or just mention at least First Chronicles twelve thirty-two, which we ought to know by heart by now, and of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times. They knew, they, they didn't have scripture to go to and read and say, thus saith the Lord. They were spoken to by the Spirit of God. Amen. They were applying that which the prophets were speaking and which had been written down uh, by Moses, and they were... They were understanding what God wanted them to do and what needed to be done in the transition to David's kingdom. There's two additional verses I want to read this evening as we get into our lesson. Judges chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And I want us to take note of that little word. It's easy to pass over. Again. Israel did evil again. Uh, Isn't that, could that be said of our lives as well? Again. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel. Oh, isn't that interesting? Here you would expect that God had strengthened Israel against their enemies, but no, it was strengthening the enemies of Israel to go after them. Because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel and possessed the city of palm trees. This is one example I want to give uh, from scriptures. Israel's history has been marked by suffering, persecution, affliction, wars, conflict. That's been the history as well as the future of Israel. Psalm 83, verses 8 through 4, says, They have have said, Come, and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like that came right out of the legislature of Iran, which declared the destruction of Israel? For they have consulted together with one consent, they are confederate against thee, the tabernacles of Edom and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hangarines, Gable and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre. Assur also is joined with them. They have hope in that for a minute. The children of Issachar understood the politics of the day. There was upheaval in transitioning to David's kingdom. They knew what side to be on. They knew which side God was on. That was more important. They understood the times. Understanding the practicality and the relevance of God's word to the events of the day is essential to making good decisions today. James chapter 1 verse 22 says, But be ye doers. I want to just say that again. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You see, when we get into studying the word of God, and it's just for the purpose of studying the word of God, and there's no doing and application. <laughs> the word of God was given to apply, wasn't it? It was given because it's relevant for today. Some study the Bible like a history book and get, really giving a lot of great care, care to understanding the cultural geographic and historical times when the letter was written and can tell you all about the background and the history the meaning of the day of the day back in the past under a full context that's essential to understanding its meaning but making biblical truths meaningful requires a lot more work and an understanding of our times. My first Bible study with Brother Brian involved... well I should say, my first Bible study... My first assignment Bible for that Bible study was... Uh, go look up every verse in the Bible with the word body, with the word soul, and with the word spirit in it. When you've looked up over 1,000 verses in the Bible that deal with all three of those words... And you think about it, and you teach it all the time, you know what the Bible says. Not, not some opinion, but you know what the Bible says. And, and then, to apply it and make it relevant, when Chuck Schwartz opened the Bible and read answers to me for my questions, he was the first one I ever met who actually did that, and I was amazed and I, and I told him, man, I, I've had a Bible all my life. I never knew what this thing was for. <laughs> he made it relevant. He, it, it, just reading the words and, and showing how it answered my questions, making it relevant made all the difference in the world. He connected with me. I'm talking about relevant application of God's word as it was written to the events of the day as it applies to our times, understanding our times. And such application requires the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the Holy Spirit spares us from the absurdity of faulty human interpretation. Just because you quote scripture and you got a verse to it doesn't mean you're speaking truth. Satan can do that. You can get some really absurd interpretations quoting Scripture. I I came out of that. And that's one of the things I noticed in my Bible studies, and I told Brother Brian this several times. There was a lot of dead-end theology going on. Dead-end theology, that is, you had an answer to all the verses, but it didn't tie together. There was something lacking. It's hard to retain. We don't want to be guilty of that. The Pharisees did that. The Pharisees made up man made rules about how to teach and how to preach and how to perform works that were acceptable to God. They used scripture and taught, Thus saith the Lord. But in the end, they were really just inventing and teaching the traditions of men, which became the standard of what was good teaching and preaching and works. These were just the traditions of men, not of God. And as I have said many times before, God gets blamed for a lot of things that he has nothing to do. Whether it be how to do things or how to look at things, we have to be careful to study the Bible from God's perspective, not our own perspectives. Setting up rules to help us discern are good. Rules for study. But we have to take care not to make our doctrine, make doctrine out of our rules, out of our rules. And this especially applies to biblical prophecy of our times. We don't want to be making up and looking at signs and the making up doctrine that goes contrary to Scripture, or goes outside the bounds of Scripture, and then we teach it as doctrine. We want to be consistent within the Scriptures, and if you're going to speculate, call it speculation. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with speculating, but call it what it is instead of doctrine. It does create fusion, confusion. So. We do, want to, uh, we, we do want to take care in biblical prophecy and understanding our times just as much as how to conduct our ministry or how to have the right relationships in our families. We have to strive for biblical instruction relevant to us and guard against Phariseeism. That brings us to the current event in Israel right now. As for the relevant news in our times, as probably all of you are aware, the most current worldview conflict going on right now has the whole world's attention. Wars broke out in Israel. As I mentioned in the first verse, again, this is nothing new. The Lord is coming back. Yes, He is. He is coming back at any time. Not because war broke out in Israel right now. He could come back anytime. time. He can come back in another moment from now, later on tonight, next week, a month from now, a year from now. He knows when he's coming back. According to the Jerusalem Telegraphic Agency, Sunday, Saturday morning, October 7th, which was the beginning of a Jewish holiday and the Sabbath, the Palestinian group Hamas launched a surprise terrorist attack. The biggest attack on Israel in years, killing over 300 Israelis, kidnapping at least 100 as hostages, and injuring over 1,800. And right now, since the uh, Israelis have uh, mounted, declared war in Uh, gone after their attackers. The death and casualty count has only increased as the war continues now. Israel is comparing the attack Saturday with the attack of 9-11 in the U.S. Now, Hamas has been lobbying, not lobbying, but they have been lobbying missiles into Israel for 15 years from the Gaza Strip. Now, I mean, have you anybody ever seen that? They're, they just send these missiles over into Israel just to harass them. Wow. And then because of, because of Israel's defense system, you know, knocking the missiles out, you know what the next thing they did? They sent bombs up in the air by balloon oh, to just drop on Israel. If that was going on here in the United States, what would we do? You say, "Why is Israel tolerating that because of international pressure on them for restraint hey I want to want to remind us we 've gone through quite a bit few principles and concepts of worldview warfare, and it all applies there's a lot of dynamics and complexities involved, but Hamas has been firing missiles into israel this's been going on for fifteen years. this attack by land, by sea, and by air. And they went in, they, they, uh, they broke through a barrier, and now they're trying to figure out what's going on, and Israel's biggest breach of security, they say. I'm waiting to see if that, who, who's, I'm looking at reports, who's writing these things, why? In worldview warfare, it's all about the narrative, controlling the perception you don't know, at this point, as news stories come out, you don't know what's true or not. <laughs> More likely, it's not true. That's why I went to the Jerusalem Telegraphic Agency. I I was surprised by CNN, too. They The stories are being consistent. I, I look for that when I start reading stories. I, I look for, okay, who's saying what, <laughs> and what are they saying? Well, they broke through a barrier. They killed people in nearby cities. They took couple of ambulances, they captured a tank, they captured a police station, they overran a military base in Israel. It's unheard of. And then they kidnapped hostages. Now, who is Hamas? Well, Hamas is a Palestinian Islamic militant group which rules the Gaza Strip. Israel's allies have designated the Hamas to be a terrorist group, including the United States, Uh, designating them that way. That's a big deal. The European Union and the UK and others consider them terrorists. Hamas is backed by Iran, which funds and provides weapons and training for them. Now, that's not something I got in a news article. It was the Hamas spokesman, Ghazi Hamad, who said, We have direct backing for the attack from Iran. And then, I just noticed, as I was trying to get the latest news before I came to church tonight, Iran has been planning this with Hamas for over two weeks. And Iran has pledged to stand by the Palestinian fighters until the liberation of Palestine and Jerusalem. Now, the reason for perpetual war, because war has been going on in Israel for as long as we've been alive, Been going on since 1948. Well, even before that. But the Iranian government passed a bill in 2021, just a couple years ago, to officially task the Iranian government with destroying Israel by the year 2041. Now, that's less than 20, that's just 18 years away now, or 19 years away. This is the country that President Obama and Joe Biden have supported in their development of nuclear enrichment sites in cooperation with Russia. That's no secret. Now, the Ayatollah Khomeini, the religious leader in Iran, says the West Bank in Israel should be armed like Gaza. And the Jewish population should return to the countries they came from prior to 1948 and up to now. That That is the Khomeini's quote. That's what he said. This is the solution to having peace in Israel. August 6, 2022, Ishmael Ghani, the commander-in-chief of Iran's Quad Force, repeated a claim heard over and over again from Iranian officials. Israel is in decline. And he said, quote, Hezbollah's sons are making plans to bring down the last blow against the Zionist regime and to realize the wish of Imam Khomeini to eradicate Israel from the map and the face of the earth. That's coming from from the commander-in-chief. He goes on and quotes, The honorable path of martyrs will be pursued until the complete destruction of the enemies of the Islamic system, which is referring to the Islamic Republic. In the world context of superpowers, what we have is Iran. The little mouse that squeaked. But it's a little mouse next to the U.S. But if we keep this in mind that Israel must be eliminated, if we keep in mind that Israel must be eliminated, that mindset encoded into the law of Iran to destroy Israel and her allies, it explains why there can be no peace in Israel. That mindset is not just words now, it's encoded into law. Yesterday, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared that Israel is at war with Gaza and Hamas, which must include their allies. And that was the significance of reading about their attack in Lebanon going after Hezbollah. Former Israeli Prime Minister Naftali Bennett calls the preparation and plan for war with Iran the octopus doctrine. Because what that means is Israel is engaged in, in fighting many tentacles of the Iranian threat, the monster for instance, Palestinian Islamic Jihad could be seen as, part of the, as one part of the octopus and the Hezbollah as another part, and all the other factions. Iran is conducting a multi-front attack against Israel with the goal in 2041, we're gonna have them exterminated. Now, not surprising, the allies, in support, or the countries coming out in support, this is interesting worldview analysis. It's not surprising what countries are in support of of Israel and condemning the Hamas actions. You got the United Kingdom, Ukraine, Czech Republic, Spain, Poland, Italy, Greece, Germany, France, European Commission, Belgium, and even the UN Secretary General condemned Hamas, quote, in the strongest terms. Of course, they're all words, aren't they? But that's worldview warfare. The countries in support of Hamas's actions are not surprising at all. But I thought it was interesting to look at some of the verbiage, the narratives, the way they spin it. Now, I'm going to start out with the outright... Condoning and congratulations of Iran uh, of the Hamas, but I'm going to show you how the language eases into still still promoting Hamas's actions but condemning Israel. Iran wrote, "We congratulate the Palestinian fighters," and that was the military advisor Rahim Safavi. And he says, we will stand by the Palestinian fighters until the liberation of Palestine and Jerusalem. Hezbollah came out, and they said it was a decisive response to Israel's continued occupation and a message to those seeking normalization with Israel. Well, that was the uh, normalization uh, pact that was being considered and talked about between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Qatar came out, his, their foreign ministry, ministry came out with an official statement saying, Israel alone is responsible for these actions and the escalation of violence with the Palestinian people. And it called on both sides to exercise utmost restraint and calls on the international community to prevent Israel from using these events as an excuse to launch a disproportionate war against Palestinian civilians in Gaza. Disproportionate? I mean, was that not disproportionate, the surprise attack by Hamas on Israel? They have their complaints, and then they think that's equitable. And then you also have them saying, exercise utmost restraint. In other words, Israel, don't do anything. Turkey said, we call for restraint from all parties. Erdogan said in a, said it at a Congress for his ruling AK party in Ankara. They must refrain from aggressive acts. That is, Israel must refrain. Saudi Arabia came out and said, we are following the unprecedented developments between a number of Palestinian factions and Israel occupation forces. You see, this is... Terminology, this is controlling the narrative, that Israel's in the wrong, and what you have is retaliation. Egypt called for exercising maximum restraint and avoiding exposing civilians to further danger. Just don't do anything. Saudi Arabia, same thing. Russia came out, and it says the same thing, same narrative going around. It says it goes without saying that we always call for restraint. Anybody ever heard of Ukraine? Well, they have good advice for Israel. China comes out and says, we call on relevant parties to remain calm, exercise restraint, and immediately end the hostilities to protect civilians and avoid further deterioration of the situation. And of course, the Palestinian uh, group had their own statements. Well, the United States Council of Muslim Organizations also had a statement who claimed to be the largest American Muslim civil society umbrella organization. It says, we condemn Israel's targeted and indiscriminate killing of civilians, including innocent children, women, and elderly. You know where Hamas hides? They hide in civilian areas. And when all this first started, they were putting the women and the children out there in front of their military excursions and then making sure they took pictures of what was going on. Here's what we can expect. Here's in the Koran, Quran number five, verse nine. And when the sacred months have passed, then kill the polytheist wherever you find them and capture them and besiege them and sit in wait for them at every place of ambush. But if they should repent, establish prayer and give zakah. You know what zakah is? Well, this is the condition. It's tax. If you're an unbeliever, then you pay tax. Let them go on their way. Indeed, Allah is forgiving and merciful. As long as you repent, that means now you accept Allah and agree with uh, the Islam religion, establish prayer, that is, you go through the five steps of prayer to become Muslim, and then you give Zala, you're okay. And someone's considered an infidel who's an unbeliever and it rejects all these things. And I don't have time to go through all, all of this, and this will, be, this will take a couple weeks to go through. But this has roots There's a dispute over two states, Arab states and the Israeli state uh, in that area. And it's got interesting history. The British pulled out of that land in 1948 saying, man, there's no way to resolve that. This is a big fire keg and we can't control it. And they exited it. The UN made uh, Israel a nation, uh, gave them a state, recognized them, and there's been war ever since. Well, there was already skirmishes and war going on. That's why the Britons got out of there in the first place. Because they said, this is hopeless. These people aren't going to come to a peaceful terms. It hasn't to this very day, has it? We can say, well, Israel's been at war ever since 1948. But that wouldn't really be true, would it? Israel's always been at war. They've been in a continual cycle of unrest, conquest, and captivity ever since... They were delivered from the bondage of Egypt. And the crossing over the River Jordan to return to the land promised Abraham and to his descendants. In A.D. 70, we go back even further than 48, and back further than World War I. We go into A.D. 70. The Romans destroyed the second temple of Israel. The first temple was built by Solomon. The Babylonians destroyed that temple Remember Daniel and his friends all carted off? The second was built by Herod 500 years later and then was in construction while Jesus was there. And it was destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans. Following the Roman destruction of the temple 40 years after the Jews had crucified Christ, the Jewish people were dispersed from their national homeland. They became a people without a country They were homeless, but they preserved their religious and cultural identity while dispersed for over 1,800 years. And this is the longest-lasting scattering and dispersion of a people group, which returned back to their homeland. This dispersion is called the diaspora So you have the Jewish diaspora. The scattered Jews established communities in virtually every part of the world, from Europe to Asia, Africa, and the Americas. The Jewish diaspora is unparalleled in extent and time. So how are we to understand the events in Israel today? And what does the Bible say? How does God explain what's going on? But I want to introduce this idea, and I've got a number of verses from Exodus Psalms to Revelation, that Israel has experienced the promise of God as recorded in the covenant he made with Israel over 3,400 years ago. This was a condition this was a conditional covenant based on law. It wasn't based on grace, and that's why Israel's history is one of just continual unpleasantness, tumultuousness. In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. For they were were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God. And the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed, and, and keep my covenant, then, if then clause, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, For all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. So what I want to point out here is... And introduce here is, we have a covenant made between God and Israel. A covenant of law and God fulfilling his promise to Israel. Obey me and I will bless you. Disobey me, I will curse you. And that's what we're seeing in Israel. That's what we have seen in Israel. The future of Israel is not resolved to experience peace until the millennial reign. Why the millennial reign? Because it is at the beginning of the millennial reign when Christ sets up His kingdom. At this point, we're in the, Satan of, we're in the kingdom of Satan. And in the kingdom of Satan, Israel is always under attack. There will be no peace in Israel until Christ establishes his kingdom. And as Revelation 11 points out, when that seventh trumpet sounds, then it shall be announced, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord. And there will be peace in the land. Amen. Amen. We're glad you joined us for our services here at Mission Boulevard Baptist Church. If this program has helped you and you would like to have more information about trusting Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you would like to have resources to help you in your spiritual walk and growth, please email us at the address on your screen. We look forward to having you join us again online, but you are always welcome to personally attend any of our services at the Mission Boulevard Baptist Church here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Hi, this is Dr. Patrick Briney. I hope and pray this important lesson has improved your life. For more life-changing lessons and to get your free book that I've written for you, visit my website at patrickbriney.com. And please share this valuable lesson with at least three of your friends to enrich their lives in our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll upload my next lesson for you soon. God bless.